What's shaking, cats and kittens? I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Takeout is cool, but delivery gets pricey. So, like a phoenix from the ashes, indoor dining is back at Forge Eatery. I use the analogy because the food is fire. It's a new approach to farm the table. No overalls, just dope food. Try my favorites, like the mushroom stew with pine nuts and ricotta, the cornmeal fried happy oysters, and the seared duck breast. Also, ask about the chocolate chip cookie tins. Mini chocolate chip cookies with a dusting of sea salt. Simply delicious. Head on over to ForgedEatery.com to check out the current menu options and make a reservation today. Forged is located at 3520 Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I'm your host, Rob Lee. My next guest creates and produces original radio programs and podcasts for WYPR. His current project is a neighborhood documentary series called Out of the Blocks, which earned the 2018 National Edward R. Murrow Award. Um, I have Aaron Hankin on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Rob. It's really nice to be a guest on a podcast. That's kind of wild for me. I'm usually in your seat. So this is yes, cool. And it's, I, appreciate, it's a, uh, I appreciate the invitation. Oh, no, thank you. Um, this is this is great. And um, it's, it's great to talk to someone with the uh, the background that you have. I think I'm going to learn something here. And uh, this is a treat for me. I already, I already feel it. I already feel it. This is going to be a good well, one. I, you know, it's fascinating to me, anyone who wants to get behind the microphone and, and do a podcast and whatever, you know, just to, to you know, I, I'm going to have to stop myself from asking you too many questions because that's my <laughs> habit, but I'll let you start. Okay. Um, like, uh, you've, you've probably listened to a few of the shows or what have you. I'm realizing more people are listening to the podcast than I've given credits. I assume that no one's listening, Yeah, but, um, I like to give that thousand foot view of what your work is and what your work is about, because, you know, I always assume that people know, but they don't really know like how the guest presents what they're doing. I'm going to give a Mm -hmm. thousand foot view, but you're going to do a much better job at describing what you do day to day than what I can do. So if you would, um, could you provide like your background on what for the uninitiated? Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm podcasting with you from my little uh, storage closet office <laughs> at the radio station. Uh, it's pretty skeleton crew around here these days, but uh, you know I come in every day because I still am doing this um, another podcast that's a, a daily news podcast about Maryland and COVID and the news. But <clears throat> I've been here at the radio station for about twenty years now. I started as a volunteer. And I didn't know anything about radio. I have no formal training in radio. I have, an, I have a BA in English literature is the extent of my formal education. And I called up just he, just because it seemed like something interesting to do. And I said, hey, do you guys have need to volunteer on any of your local shows? And this producer said, well, yeah, come on in tomorrow and you can answer phones for the daily call in public affairs show, the Mark Steiner show. Yeah. 
And uh, so I was, you know, and I was waiting tables at night to pay the bills. And then a couple of months in, this producer, I think, just got tired of his job. He quit. They looked around like, well, who's going to produce the, tomorrow's show? And, the, you know, it's the right place at the right time. They were like, that guy's here every day. He seems kind of, kind of like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and, um, and then it was just this daisy chain of learning, you know, one production job after another until I'd done just about every programming job under the roof here. I helped uh, with, with the talk shows. I helped with the news department. And then eventually uh, the station started entrusting me to um, create my own radio programs. So for many years, I guess about a dozen years, I did a, a weekly arts and culture show called The Signal, yep. which was uh, my co-producer, Lisa Morgan, and I kind of envisioned it as sort of the radio version of the city paper, you know, Baltimore's yep. free alternative weekly or what was. It's no longer in publication, but it was just kind of like kind of like the alt weekly of your local public radio station. Artists, musicians, uh, you know, just people with off the wall stories. Um, and that went on and on. And um, and then I got really obsessed with just interviewing random people who had unusual jobs. And that took me down a really crazy rabbit hole where. You know, I would uh, actually would read the yellow pages uh, like cover to cover yeah. because for for younger listeners, I will explain that yellow pages is the <laughs> book business directory. Right. And and the, there's like job categories are listed in there alphabetically and you find the craziest stuff, you know, like artificial limbs, automobile wreckers uh, and all these people. And you're just like, wow, someone does that. And their phone number's right there. And so you can call them. And so I, you know, it kind of became this quest to find stories that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And that is sort of the long story that brings it up to the present, which is this series that I do now called Out of the Blocks, which, you know, um, the premise of that is that I go to one city block and I show up and I make it my mission to meet and interview everybody on the entire block about wow. life. And I'll record, or at least everyone who's, you know, game to talk with me and I'll collect hours and hours of audio of people just talking about their lives yeah. and then collage it together. And I work with uh, my co-producer on this project is Wendell Patrick, accomplished electronic music producer here in Baltimore. And he creates an original musical score for each episode. So it ends up having this really kind of impressionistic sort of cinematic sound when it's all put together and you hear you get a sense of this very specific place by right of all these individual stories of all these people who you know sort of live in this honeycomb just one wall down from each other but they right. have such you know different you know sort of unpredictable stories and wow. that we've been doing for almost 10 years now wow yeah I, your 10 years have been better than my last 10 years. I've just been mostly telling dick jokes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that too. I'll be honest with you. There's room for both in your life. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, that's, that's fantastic. I've, um, uh, I've been doing the, the podcast thing for probably about 12 years and, um, and kind of one of those self-taught things. I went to Morgan, went there for business, uh, and did that, uh, thing. I did the, what is it? Uh, I was a marketing analyst for Verizon for the first two years out of college. And mm -hmm. I was burnt out because it wasn't the creative, sexy marketing that I hoped it was, it was going to be, yeah. it was more of the, Hey, what about those numbers? What's that ROI looking like? And, I 
dove into, I always had an interest in like capturing stories and things like that. I was like the, the jerk in high school with the uh, recorder. Hey, uh, somebody tell me what you got going on today. And I just went to Best Buy one day and spent like $400 on equipment. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to use this and started yeah. just recording my takes on news. It was literally that. Okay. So you started as a sort of a solo guy behind the mic and then it was it was like at a later point when you started bringing in other people for conversations um so yeah uh, I, i'll say like in the the very beginning um first episode I, I, I can always pinpoint where it was at because i was complaining about albert hainsworth signing with the washington uh, football team okay and so that I was just, pegs it to a specific date Yes. I was like, I'm a fat guy. Why can't I get a hundred million dollar contract? That was kind of the crux of the conversation. And, uh, I did that first one. Just, it was just by myself. And I was like, let's bring in my friends. And I started using it as an opportunity to kind of continue, you know, that, that relationship we had, you, you lose connection as you get older and such. So after doing that, just mostly with my friends and keeping it internal, I was like, all right, let's start bringing people in over the course of the year. So bringing different guests in and things like that and see who could be a part of this network we're trying to create. And over the last two years, um, been doing this podcast and interviewing people who I think contribute to the culture in a very positive way within Baltimore. And it all came out of me being very annoyed at the uh, previous president's comments about the city. And instead of using a bunch of four-letter words and being upset about it, I was like, let's disprove this. I'd rather disprove that instead of complaining. Yeah. So that's where it came out of. So, and you, but you, uh, I mean, you've, you've found your niche behind that microphone, huh? It's a, it's a, it's really, it's kind of uh, addictive, isn't it? Yes. Once you get rolling so. and, and then once you have, because it really is having a microphone, having a podcast, doing any kind of, uh, the, like documentary recording is all of a sudden it's a license to have a much more sort of engaged substantive conversation. Right. Yes. And it's a, like a license to give yourself this uh, role as an active listener that maybe, you know, you might not necessarily be in the habit of in your, you know, sort of everyday routine of your life. I love it for that reason. I, I do as well. Um, and I, I will say specifically with, with this podcast, uh, it, I, it's changed how I approach people just in regular conversation and it, it's, it's a carryover. And, you know, I've had just people re will remark upon, like I've interviewed with this, this person, this really noted person, this person, this newspaper and so on. And it's like, you actually seem like you care about what we're talking about. You seem actually engaged and you want to, you know, be in this. And it's like, even when you meet the guest in, in person, cause Usually people are like, hey, let's let's meet in person. You were great. They're mm -hmm. like, no, you're still the same guy. You're still like the same guy I interviewed with. There's no drop off. And I just realized just you're getting better and more comfortable in, in talking with people. And I find that a lot of that, this, this kind of podcast took off during COVID. Like I want to say before COVID hit, it was only about 13 episodes or so. And I've, this is my 107th podcast that I've recorded for this particular podcast. So wow. it's been a lot during been this year. Very much so. <laughs> That's what a great um, sort of hi historical document it'll end up being too. Think about, yeah. you know, think 30, 40 years down the road, you can click play on this and get this snapshot of what, you know, what your life was, what was going on in your head. Absolutely. This, this monumental year. Yeah. And um, I'll look back at myself and like, wow, hmm, I used to be pretty. I used to be great. And I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh so, so, so back to, back to your work, back to out of the blocks. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit. So 
what like ideas, concerns, objectives, the thing kind of motivated pursuing that as a project? Yeah, I think, I think it was, I think part of what appealed to me about it was that it's a total journalistic leap of faith, right? You don't know what the story is going to be. It's like the opposite of traditional reporting where, you know, you may be assigned a story about, you know, some subject like the environment or, or homelessness or whatever. And then you go out and you find people who are involved with, you know, have an experience that's relevant to that. And they tell you the bits and pieces of the story that you then fill into your sort of subject that you already have been assigned, but it's a totally different uh, ball game when you go and you just ask open-ended sort of story prompting questions to people that you are just getting to know. And then you just sort of, honor your own curiosity and listen actively. And next thing you know, someone's telling you a love story or next thing you know, someone's telling you, you know, some incredible story of something that they overcame that you couldn't even, you know, imagine, or, you know, someone's going through something really heavy and all of a sudden they start talking about that. Um, so it, it really, I think it's kind of, I think when when we started the show, it was also a little bit of a referendum on um, sort of the kind of voices that were oftentimes on public radio uh, and sort of the presumed audience of public radio, um, which is sort of like older white folks. And it seems like and look, I'm a white guy. Um, my, and so. I, you know, I, I always keep that in mind when I go out and wander around and talk with, you know, people on any given block in Baltimore, which is a majority black city. Sure. So there's always, you know, whenever you do a, whenever you go out and, and do any kind of journalism, I think that whole idea of objective journalism is kind of a myth. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, uh, you know, that when you would hear a documentary narrator or an or an old public radio story, there was this idea that the person telling you that story was this sort of omniscient, uh, totally neutral character, yeah. ab sort of above any kind of life experience or biases or blind spots. Um, but, you know, so what ends up happening is I'll go to a block and and meet people and do these interviews, make these recordings, and it ends up being kind of like, I acknowledge that it's it's like my portrait of of that block because it's the experience that I had with that block. Right. Um, it's based on the questions that I that I happened to ask. And it's also based on the questions that for whatever reason I neglected to ask or didn't think to ask. And then, you know, it's a matter of there's a lot of editing that goes into the show. I may talk with someone for 45 minutes, but end up cutting it up so that you, what you end up hearing as a listener is three and a half minutes. Right. Um, but there's no narrator in, uh, in the, in the episodes. And so it has this very immediate feel to it. It's like yeah. you're dropped right on the block and you've got all these soundscapes swirling around of whether they're, you know, in like a corner deli or a dry cleaners or whatever you hear, whatever's going on and you hear them in their own environment. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, now I'm going off on tangents. Oh, no, no, all subject to a little bit of uh, narrative entropy when we're telling a story. I appreciate your patience. Your question, though, um, I wanted to I wanted to. I wanted to um, just give uh, 
as much of an unmediated spotlight as possible to like everyday Baltimore folks who are just sort of like the backbone of the city and who are either going to get ignored by the media or only visited by the media when something goes wrong on that block. Right. And it ended up, you know, so we've been all over the place, north, south, east and west in Baltimore. Um, And it's, you know, it's always an interesting experience to try to, first show up on a block and start to explain people like what the philosophy of this project is because you know it's a pretty weird project um <laughs> and people you know we've been mistaken for everything from you know uh you know door-to-door salesmen to like religious missionaries to <laughs> undercover police um but once people realize like oh those guys are here every day and they're just getting to know everyone and oh now they've got this tape recorder they're going around and oh that other guy's taking photos and and then you know sort of the idea of being not just dropping in for a day but going you know week after week to a block really is a big part of the equation too yeah i i find like um i'm like probably by the time this this airs it's i'll um have, I have this web series that I've been working on and uh, we've been like filming and stuff. And I think like just kind of that inconsistent attention from like people who are planning out media, creating content that is in the city. People are really just curious, like what's, what's happening. I, like, I, I, I'm always aware of how much space I'm taking up. Like I'm six, four, like a 300 pound, like dude, what have you? So I take up a lot of space. I'm like, all right, let me look at my surroundings, make sure I'm not bumping into anyone. And you always just like see people around. So if it's even a little bit of equipment or something on those lines, it's just added attention. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to observe this. And sometimes I get caught up. And it's like, I forgot my line. I forgot what I'm supposed to say here. I forgot my own intro that I'm like free, freestyling as it is, but I'm forgetting where I'm supposed to do because um, you just have that audience there. But people generally, in, in my experience, they're, they're just there to see what's going on. It's like, oh, people are doing something in Baltimore. Great. This is cool. And it's going to put some eyes on what we're doing here. And um and that's great. And I, and I think, you know, over the last like couple of years, there's been some focus, especially with the, uh, the documentary just airing uh, recently on uh, Netflix, the, um, Dark, the Dark City. City. Yeah. I haven't seen and, it yet, but man, I've been hearing such awesome things about it. I can't wait to see it. It, it was great. And um, I, I was doing that, that regional thing. And I was, it was, it was really odd because um, my, uh, my partner, she's from New York and she always does that scene check of, yeah, I know that place. It wasn't that way. And I, I was doing that with Baltimore and I was like, finally, I have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Recognizing all the spots and backdrops and everything. Absolutely. I was like, nice. I interviewed him. I, I got chicken from there or uh, whatever the thing is. Um, so so out of the blocks, you're, 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 you're doing that with window and he's a another creative dope, dope producer and musician. So could you describe the importance of being in the company of other artists and like how that, you know, that, that iron sharpens iron sort of approach, how does that work for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I met Wendell as he was, I invited him to, he was a guest on a previous radio, the previous show, The Signal. So he had, he had released uh, his first hip hop album. Uh, And um, we, he, we had gotten in touch with me and I listened to the thing. I was like, this is, this music is incredible. And and so he came on and uh, we had a really good interview. And then it was years later when I was getting ready to do this out of the blocks thing. And I called him up and I said, Hey man, can I, I told him the idea of this documentary series 
And I said, can I borrow some of your instrumental tracks to, you know, sort of lay in and create, a, you know, like a music bed. And he said, um, you know, tell me, tell me more about this project. And he got really into the idea of it. And he suggested, he said, what if, you know, what if I made a custom tailored musical score that's kind of like built interwoven with the sound design that you're, you know, the recordings you're collecting from the block, which yeah. was like automatically made it twice as cool as it would have been otherwise. And just, I mean, this experience, this project wouldn't have been nearly as interesting for the listener or as substantive for the people that we interviewed or as memorable for us if we didn't do it together um we've you know we're we've worked together hand in glove for years now and it's just like when you know that there's someone on the project with you that's just fundamentally understands sort of the you have you have this shared philosophy and you have an implicit trust in what the other person's going to bring bring to the project you just you know i would make these mixes of an episode and then send them to Wendell and then he would send them back with his music on it. It would be like, I was hearing it for the first time. All of a sudden I was like an audience member to this thing that I had just spent God knows how many dozen hours editing. All of a sudden you hear it with brand new ears. Um, yeah. Working um, collaboratively is, I heard a great expression one time when you share power, you gain new powers. Oh, when you share power, you gain new powers. And if you can just it like, look, I always have been a bit of a control freak about, you know, little stories that I make in projects, but I just, you know, um, I just had, I, I just had an implicit trust in, in, in like the idea of kind of jumping in at the same time as Wendell on this project. And we've, it's, it's something that never could have come close to accomplishing without him. That's that's fantastic. I, I, I'm a bit of a control freak, and and that's the thing. I recognize it, and you know, pretty much with with this project and the larger project of me being in this podcast space or what have you, it's it's like ah, it's a thankless job and doing all this stuff and trying to figure out these different things. But when you're able to collaborate with someone and you just kind of you both click and you get it, yeah. it's it's such a great feeling. And I, I we we did a. It's, it's so corny because everything is just super independent, but we did our 10th anniversary show a couple of years ago. What have you, um, we, 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 start, we started, the, I started the podcast in like a February or what have you, but we try to do it in the summer so people could come out and stuff. So, um, we were at like big improv and it was so uh, much who, work. Who, you, who do you mean when you say we? Uh, so with, with, uh, we, it was, um, me and each of the co-hosts that I've had over the, um, the, gotcha. the better part of that period of time. So my man, Greg, Torn, Dan, just all the different co-hosts that I've had on. And we, we try to, um, put together just, and, and even one of the collaborators we have uh, that we met at the Baltimore podcast festival, um, Diaries White from uh, Coplay media in DC, he's on DC public radio. And, um, it was just really, it was a really like cool, like thing that we all came together with our different talents and I'm over there freaking out. I was like, we gotta put these posters up. We gotta do this. Let's sweat out. And we're doing the stuff. Like, I think we were, we, we were doing it in early, uh, August and we started like doing a lot of promotion, um, for it and putting up signs and things like that and going live in different areas in Baltimore. 
around Artscape. So you can imagine how hot it was. Well, and I yeah. believe I said when I went to a big to put up one of the posters, I was like, I'm sweating off my ethnicity here. Can we just get this over with? <laughs> and, and the rest of the day just started laughing. It was like, this is ridiculous. Please put this on up. <sighs> and when it, we got down to the actual show, it was just like so much work that we've, we've done um, up to that point that I was like, I can't botch this now. I can't flub any lines. I can't, you know, I was like, this is going to be good. And I feel like I've already seen this be successful. And I think in part of the collaborative effort there, like we all kind of came in and, and put in our different stuff there. And even getting help from people in the business community here that we've created relationships with, like um, Roz from Diablo Donuts, he just gave us four dozen donuts. He's nice. like, here you go, guys. Happy you know anniversary or what have you. That's good moral support. Absolutely. And in just having people come out and um, we were able to videotape it, we had, we sold tickets and it was a really cool thing that just came out of a what if and people that, you know, work together in this, like the, my guys, they just believed in it and we were able to, you know, achieve something and it felt really good, better than if we sold like 200 tickets and it was just one singular idea, but collaboratively we came together and made it something that worked. Yeah, you give each other courage when you have yeah. a crew that you're working on something for. Yeah. And yeah, you push yourself harder because you know you got this whole team at your back. You don't yeah. want to, it's not just about disappointing, not wanting to disappoint yourself. You don't want to disappoint the rest of yeah. your team. Yeah. And then you get to celebrate afterwards and sort of acknowledge what you accomplished. It makes it much more real. Absolutely. I, I had the, the proud coach moment at, at the end in the, um, the, the side room where the, uh, the uh, comedians or the improv people are usually kind of hanging out. And I was like, all right, guys. And I was like, oh, man, I feel like I'm one of the coaches after the game, like game ball to you. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think everyone's breath smelled weird because we had a we cover weird news of pop culture. So uh, we had um, it was, uh, I was complaining about how many um, pickle flavored atrocities were out there. I was like pickle pizza. And um, my, my, I guess my uh, co-host um, Dan, he brought uh, pickled uh, pickle uh, ice pops and gave oh. them to everyone. That's not, and we, 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 we almost came to blows on, on stage. I was like, <laughs> look, I, I am not a part of this, this pickle, this pickle cult. I'm not here for it. And everyone liked them, which made me really mad. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to try that. Frozen dill pickles, no. Not a fan. Just eat pickle instead. I mean, yeah. what do you... Anyway. It was... So, the, and the other thing that popped up was like, uh, like people were doing, um, swapping out the bread on hoagies with big pickles. So it was just like a <laughs> lot of pickle-related news at the time. And I was like, look, I'm not here for this. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Well, you've covered a quite a broad variety of topics over the years, evidently. Yeah, um, I, I think for for me, it, especially with with that show, um, Mastermind Teams Robcast, that's the one I started in 2009. It's always been like, what has me interested? What are these kind of weird news stories that are there? And we try to work in pop culture and it's kind of covering the vague news, the not news and really kind of going into that. And it's kind of a distraction from some of the negative things you'll just see or what have you. It's like, these are real stories, but it's like, how are we going to try to make this into comedy? We don't write anything down. We try to improv it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And literally that's been the approach for it. And this is more of my serious attempt to add something to the conversation, this particular podcast to add something to the conversation and hit on the things that I love. Like I like 
the new shit. I like weird news. I like pop culture. I like reviewing movies, which is the other podcast. Um, let's watch it again. But also I love Baltimore. I've always been here. And if I can, you know, kind of disprove some of that negative stuff that's presented about the city, that's what I'm here to do. And I think my attempt at this podcast is to try to do that. Well, uh, you, you do it a good service just by being comfortable sort of in your own skin in the hosting chair and being yourself. I mean, there's, there's just something automatically appealing about tuning into a podcast and hearing someone who's, you know, just their authentic self behind the microphone. I bet you, you would be surprised at the people who listen to your podcast, especially considering how frequently you're posting. I bet there are people who, you know, um, tune in and really have uh, developed this kind of uh, long distance relationship with you. I, yeah, uh, I, I've, I've heard little pieces here and there from us. Oh, okay. That's, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were talking about you down here at this place. I was like, Oh, I had no idea. Oh, flowers are coming. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's the funny thing about podcasts is that you never know who's listening or when or under what circumstances, you know, someone might've just had a horrible day and then, you know, you happen to be the button they push on their podcast app. And then all of a sudden you're like their savior for the day. Cause now you're now they're with you. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I, I take, I take, uh, I take responsibility in that area and in, in, in acknowledging that because um, you know, sometimes it will be content, especially with the, the other podcasts that's like, all right, I not I'm not gonna use that for for these reasons or what have you, or maybe we want a little dark here, or maybe we want a little left in that particular area, or maybe that is not as interesting as I thought it would be. Let's try mm-hmm. to re-record that or let's do it in a different way because by someone subscribing or someone showing an interest um, in what you're doing, you, you have, you're, you're making it for an audience. Ultimately you're making it for yourself, but also it's going to an audience. Otherwise you just have like a hard drive filled with your own recordings. And right. That's a degree of Howard Hughes insanity right there. I don't want to delve into <laughs> <laughs> It's like collecting jars of your own urine. Yes. That's, that's the equivalent of a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I read and obviously uh, from what you're, you're doing with out of the blocks that storytelling is your thing. So what is what are some of the traits for good storytelling? And this is a B to it, if you will. Yeah. Um, how could someone sharpen that skill as, as being a storyteller? Yeah. I don't know if I'm so much a good storyteller as a good story listener. Sure. Uh, I think that's probably where it's probably the skill I've honed the best is really kind of when I'm interviewing people, because basically I'm out there all the time meeting people I don't know anything about and getting from that point to having them, you know, had told me some kind of meaningful, substantive story about their life. And so getting from, you know, point A to point B there is, is something I've learned a lot about helping other people tell their stories. You know, the, 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 the kind of interviewing I do is very, it's like fishing at first, you know, you're just kind of trying to get a conversation going, get sort of learn what lights someone up. And then, you know, at some point, you know, maybe they're, they're going to open up and start telling you something that's going on with them or some story that's important to them. And then it's like you switch hats from interviewer to story coach right and you're you kind of you're 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 asking questions you're listening carefully to the answers because that's going to determine you know where you go next um and i almost sometimes will you know once someone's you i can always tell i record my stuff like 
out in the field with a portable recorder. And I can always tell when someone's telling a story that fascinates me because I look with, if it's really good, I find myself looking down at my machine to make sure the counter is rolling. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting this on tape. <laughs> <clears throat> that's when I, and that's, so that's when I really kind of hone in and in that story coaching way, like help them kind of slow down and really tell that story in a, in a, in a nice detailed way. And it's almost like I'll use sometimes the language of a movie director, or I'll say things like, let me, let me pause you there at that part in the story. Right. And let's rewind to the beginning of the day. Let's zoom into that other part you were talking about. Tell me what was going through your head at that moment. And then, you know, and you're soliciting these different details along the way. It's almost like collecting multiple camera angles on a scene. Right. But that scene is that person's actual story of their life. And so and then and that's when the ratio of what I collect to what I end up cutting and using in the final audio portrait. That's that's what's important about that equation, because I'll have people tell and retell moments of that story almost in, you know, it's kind of by asking basically the same question over and over again in slightly different ways, because I'm, I'm almost getting like multiple takes yeah. on these different parts of the story so that I can then cre- pick and choose the different takes of them telling the different parts of the story to create this really nice sort of hyper reality version of that narrative arc that really takes you from point A to point B and has these reveals. And then maybe I can even help coach uh, like uh, some kind of a a moment of reflection out of them um, uh, by asking questions like, you know, once they've kind of told the story to just say like, you know, how do you, how do you think that story changed you as a person? Or like, what do you think you learned from that story? Or sometimes I'll ask, like, what do you think the moral of that story is? Yeah. People will tell you the moral of their story in in beautiful, profound ways. And that way, then you can you have it's like you've loaded up your paint palette with every possible color. And yeah. then you can go to your audio editor and start to create that composition. That that is amazing that I, I, as, as you're describing it, I, I'm, I'm what when you when you said the, the, the part about it, like being a director, that is immediately what I, I thought of because the way that I kind of look at things as a producer, it's like, okay, how can we get these things? How can we get these different cuts? How do we, how do we like, what do we need to make this work or what have you? Yeah. And in certain projects that I'm working with collaboratively, like the, the web series I may have mentioned earlier, I, I, I'm kind of thinking for the director while being the person that's in front of the camera, I'm like, oh, well, here's the take we're going to get. And it was like, oh, you kind of got that really quickly. It's like, we were thinking you were going to need like a bunch of takes. I was like, no, this is good, right? Do we need another one? Because I'm fine with another one. And it kind of makes that job a little easier. It's almost like from an athletic standpoint, the person that's the coach on the field. Yeah. And, but it, it makes it easier because I think with my, with my editor first, or what have you, I think from that perspective, because for the majority of this time and being a podcaster, I was doing all of the editing up until like the last few years. So it's like, oh yeah, we need to trim that out. Let's not talk yeah. about that any further. Let's trim this. Right. So, you know, in real time, when someone's going off on a tangent, you're yep. giving your editor a total nightmare and a headache. Yeah. I was like, dude, <laughs> uh, can you trim right here? This is going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's one of those things. And I think if you're going into it with that kind of perspective, it makes things run more automatically. Like, 
with this particular podcast, this was kind of a leap of faith faith of like trusting people. Like I, a lot of times I don't know any of these people. So it's just like, oh, I'm getting to know the person. And it's like, oh, this person is really great. This person is really cool. Or this person is more down to earth than I was expecting based on their online presence and things like that. And once we're in a conversation, there, there'll be times where um, this like that Spider-Man meme when they're just pointing at each other, we'll have that. It's like, oh, you're just like me. We're, this is yeah. great. Right. So now, obviously, there are things that you enjoy and things that could be a little bit more of a challenge. So mm-hmm. within that creative process, what do you enjoy most and what do you enjoy the least and why? Yeah. I think what I enjoy the most and what I enjoy the least are sort of inextricably linked to each other. Sure. There's the agony and the ecstasy. And I'll tell you, the agony is we're all socially programmed to have like a fundamental anxiety about uh, talking to strangers. Right. And so to be a dude who's made it his mission to show up on a random block in Baltimore and to meet it. It's like going on 51st dates yes. with people who don't even know they're going on a first date. With <laughs> right. You. And you know what? We, we say the, the, uh, you know, the sort of the tagline of the show is one block, everybody's story. Really. It's like one block, everybody's story. Who's willing to talk to you. Cause look on some, blo- on any given block, there's going to be people who are just like, you know, get the bleep out of my face. I don't, I don't have time for you, whatever, you, you know, who are, who, who do you think you are? And, and so the, the agony is sort of dealing with, you know, with, with that kind of like cold call sort of first experience with people where you just like, Hey, how you doing? Let me, let me tell you about this project and, and just getting over that wall of skepticism with people is really, it's exhausting because we all have that armor around us to some degree, some more than others. Some people are ready to tell you their life story pretty right off the bat, but other people really have that wall up. And, um, so that's, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this many years later, if I, you know, whatever next block I show up on, I'm going to still have that same sweaty armpits when it's time to like, (laughs) when it's go time. But then the ecstasy is once you get over that first hurdle with someone and they realize you're not an encyclopedia salesman or you're not a missionary or you're not an undercover cop. And like, this guy's for real. Like he's, he, he really is just here every day with this recorder. And like, I see him talking to everybody else and they like, you know, and then all of a sudden you're kind of like down with that person. Yeah. And, and then a relationship evolves. And then eventually I'll, I'll say, Hey, can I bring my recorder next time I come by here? And, um, and that sort of bond that you've created with someone from that shared time when, you know, that person has shared a story with you, I'm going to feel that same bond with you by the end of this conversation, you know, and that to me, there's no, there's nothing that can compare with the sort of thrill that you feel when you've had a, 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 like a a substantive conversation with someone who was a complete stranger, you know, just that day before. Totally. I saw graffiti one time that said the best conversation you'll ever have will be with a perfect stranger. And I feel like that's gotta be true. 
I agree. Um, you know, just cause you know, we have our habits in life and our places that we always go and our people that we always talk to. And you, you know, eventually you just run out of stuff to talk about. So you just talk about like what you each watched on Netflix. Sure. But, all, <laughs> but when you meet someone new and especially someone who has had had totally different life experience, like there's, there's an opportunity for a, a human interaction. That's just like pretty special. Yes. And I, the, you definitely hit the nail on the head um, when it comes to what you like and what the agony and the ecstasy, because I feel this the same way in this notion of, you know, I'm doing it digitally, obviously, but like, Hey, let me slide in your DMS and let me see if you got an email and shoot you a message and basically trying to make it as much of a system as possible. Here's a, here's a cut and paste, or here's a auto generated message of what this is about and what I'm doing. Here's a link, check it out. Let me know if you're interested and it's been effective. And, you know, in some instances it doesn't go as, as well as I would like. And I was like, ah, and it's like, I got to go through an extra step to kind of prove myself because of that, that skepticism there. Mm. Because, um, sometimes like, I, I find that people, when they see the equipment, it kind of, what I was talking about earlier, people get curious, but also there's a microphone in their face. Like I, I recently did a podcast with my dad and my dad is mm. like 66 and he's a, he's a Vietnam veteran Marine, the whole thing. And we were talking about double impact of a Van Damme movie. We both seen like a hundred times, right? He barely talked because he was nervous in front of a microphone. I was yeah. like unexpected, but he had a great time. He was just like, just sitting here looking at me, just talking about a movie that I enjoy and he enjoys as well. And he put me on to put me on to, and it was just that ecstasy that he was enjoying just being in. It was like, Hey, I'm like your audience and I'm chiming in on occasion. And that's kind of the thing I would imagine that, that people run into sometimes that, that skepticism, it's like teared out that when I get the initial message, I don't know what this is about. And then right. when it like starts, like, I still don't know what it's about. And I've tried to take it on myself to at least get the person comfortable, like kind of like, Hey, you know, and try to be as much me as possible because I think people work off of at least in this space, because you're not in front of a person, um, you're on camera, obviously, but it, it's based in personalities. Are, are you someone yeah. that I like? Are you likable? And can I get a conversation? What's the common ground there? And I think it's this constant back and forth in the beginning when, when people aren't really kind of feeling what's going on, it's almost like tennis. And it's yep. like, eventually you, you, you get through and it's like, Oh, gotcha. Yeah. You like this rapper. Let's have a conversation now. Or yeah. I, I usually use food as the entry point. It's like, man, okay. where do you get your crab cakes from? You know what mm -hmm. they have is like, Oh, okay. Cause everyone has an opinion and you can start from there and then it develops something and then you can work off of that. At least that's what I've learned. I bet the, I bet you've experienced the flip side though, too, which is that I bet you're pleasantly surprised at how many people are like, okay, I'll take you up on that invitation. <laughs> um, because I think as, as shy as anyone might be or as skeptical as anyone might be, <laughs> I think deep down, so there, this is a uh, the this is a great quote from Terry Gross. She's the host of Fresh Air on uh, NPR. Great interviewer. I mean, she basically holds a master class in interviewing every episode she's on. She said once, "It's the secret wish of the soul to be interviewed." Yes. Like what I think what you know when you think about that, like what I think what she means is, look, it's it's actually very validating when someone's like, I want to talk to you about your life. Mm 
Like how often do we honestly get asked, you know, that question? Yeah. That's like therapy. Some of us pay good money on an hourly rate to have someone yes. listen to us to talk about our life. Right? Absolutely. And so when you have that microphone and when you make that proposition to someone, there's something alluring about it as the, as, in addition to being, you know, maybe nerve wracking. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, it, that as many times as you might encounter someone who's shy, there are those times when someone it's just like floodgates open up and so all of a sudden it's an opportunity for someone to be talking about something that they haven't had, a, you know, that's just been weighing on them or that they haven't really expressed before. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing the ways in which people open up if you just open your ears and listen. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I have three more questions. And then from there, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. I like to always get that shameless plug opportunity. So you know how that goes. Oh, yeah. But um, so what do you enjoy doing when you're not working? What are your interests outside of um, being the super producer, podcaster extraordinaire? When I'm not working? Well, I have two kids, so that that eats up a whole lot of time. <laughs> but um, I play uh, I play in bands. I play drums. Oh, I play in Baltimore bands as the drummer, uh, and that's fun. Um, this past year, obviously, we haven't been getting together, but we have an electric piano at our house, and I've taught myself how to play piano over the past year. So that's a real fun kind of zen thing to do. That's pretty cool. Um, and. Uh, yeah. I th playing live music is something I, I've done ever since I was, you know, like a teenager. I was always in bands. And I think this whole <clears throat> interviewing public radio podcasting thing is sort of like a little bit of the grown up extension of that. Sure. Because there's a, there is a performative element to it, right? Yes. Um, you're making something that's destined for an audience. Yes. Um, but it's also something that may be a little more substantive than just, you know, beating on the drums while someone's like banging on a guitar and someone else is shouting. So I like to think I've evolved a little bit. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Creatively, is there a mantra or an ideal that drives your practice? David, I say the guy who runs uh, StoryCorps. That's a project that um, these guys, they drive an Airstream trailer around from city to city across the U.S. Then the inside of it is rigged out like a recording studio. Oh, and every wow. city, they'll show up and they'll invite people who are friends or loved ones to each other to sit yeah. and interview each other. This guy who created that, he said, listening is an act of love. Listening is an act of love. I feel like I wish I had made that up, <laughs> but that is like a mantra to me. Um, and that's it's like this whole experience of like giving myself this license to wander around and talk to strangers yeah. is basically the closest thing I've experienced to like a religious philosophy in my life or a religious practice. Cause it really is to me something that has like fundamental, fundamentally changed my outlook on life. Just like you were saying earlier, you know, when you have these kinds of conversations, all of a sudden it changes the way you approach anyone that you walk by on the street or that you, you know, engage in, any, you know, encounter in any kind of small talk way. You start yeah. to see people as like just knowing that there's a well of experience there if you really w wanted and chose to get into it with them. That's great. That's great. Now, this is this is the last one because I, I I'm, this is maybe a little self-serving. Who knows? All right. Uh, what piece of advice, like single, like biggest piece of advice that comes to mind, would you want to give, would you give someone who wants to pursue a career in radio? Yeah. 
Um, well, I would say, first of all, you're uh, lucky you, you're living in an, a technological era where the equipment is available at a pretty reasonable price and you can basically make um, your own podcast uh, with the, like the threshold of gear and mm -hmm. software that you need to make a functional podcast is pretty reasonable. And I, I would say, if you want a career in radio, first learn how to make, you learn, just practice with a podcast. <laughs> I feel like um, a lot of people, <clears throat> they, they get, they, look, it's very easy to have a great idea for a podcast, sure. right? Everybody's got one. But the reality is, is that you need to practice doing all of the actual work that's involved in executing a podcast or an audio documentary or a radio talk program or whatever the form is that you're going for. Sure. Like, you know what a good podcast sound, you know what you want it to sound like, but just like, you know, what great basketball looks like. Yes. But look, if you've never picked up a ball before and you go to the court for the first time, you're not going to be You're not going to be looking like that game. <laughs> and it's the same deal with, it, with any, there's nothing mystical about this industry, this field. It's just a matter of repetition and practice. And so I say, uh, don't be intimidated by any uh, imagined barrier to entry. And also don't try and paint the Sistine Chapel the first time you pick up a paintbrush, you know, start small, realize that the first couple of things you, you're going to, that you do, you're going to cringe at maybe a year <laughs> from now keep doing it because you're going to learn from your mistakes. And when nothing will teach you faster than listening back to yourself after you've made, you know, a dog's dinner out of some interview or just embarrassed, you know, you'll, you will, there, there's only so much like learning about podcasting and radio that you can do. The real learning happens when you just um, try to do it and make a mess of it and then learn from that, do it again. And then next thing you know, you're a little bit closer every time to, that vision that you have in your head. That's, that's a great piece of advice. And that's exactly how I learned like, um, what I do day to day. I had no background in doing using, uh, I, I'm a data analyst by by day and I had no background in using, let's say SQL, what have you. And I remember I was taking the courses and I talked to my, um, one of my peers and he was like, do you want to learn from someone who's teaching SQL or do you want to learn from someone who's doing SQL? And I had to try to delineate between the two. And I was like, I'm going to be doing it. So let me learn it for someone that's doing it. And he's like, you're going to suck initially, but just keep doing it. Keep doing it. You're going to understand stand the schema. You're going to understand how to do these things. And from someone who had no background in it, I use it every day now to do my job. And it's been, it's been useful and, and lucrative actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like playing a video game over and over again every day. You get good at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, please shamelessly plug. Where, where can I uh, check you out? Uh, social media and um, where is your, where, where, where's your project? Where are your projects streaming? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, I will plug away. Uh, so yeah, the podcast is called out of the blocks. There's probably 80 plus episodes uh, available over the past nine years. Um, and it's where it's on just about every podcast platform, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google podcasts, NPR one. Um, and um, it's also at WIPR.org. And that's where all Wendell's uh, photo galleries are. So you can see pictures of the people that we meet. Um, 
So yeah, check out out of the blocks and, um, I'll let Wendell, uh, do some plugs for his stuff. Uh, when you're going to, you're going to interview him sometime in the near future. Yes. Uh, that'll be a great conversation. He's got so much crazy stuff going on right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Uh, it, you know, um, uh, I, I never take it for granted when someone is interested in, in hearing my story and hearing what I'm all about. I, I, I respect you for that. And I, I, I'm grateful to you for that. And this was a super fun way to spend an hour, man. I, I, I had a blast. Well, well, thank you. I'll do my sign off. And this is, this has been great. It's been super informative for me. Uh, so for Aaron Hankin, the, the super talented, uh, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs>